When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandising. Check out their range of Forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. Welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. And the news coming at us today, harder than a Henry Lansby tackle, is that Steve Cooper is the new head coach of Nottingham Forest. It's not a surprise at all. We had been primed to expect this from before the weekend. Uh, We're going to be discussing the Cooper announcement in just a few minutes. Uh, I'm joined today by Baz. Hi there. Hello. Uh, By Stephen Toplitz. Hello. And the triumphant return of the Maradona of the Midlands. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Hi. Hi. Right, before we get on to Cooper, we do need to spend a few minutes talking about Chris Hewton. Uh, mainly because just shy of a year ago, or pretty much 50 games ago, we were sitting here talking about the arrival of Chris Hewton. And amongst other things, we were saying, you know what? It's a safe pair of hands. Good championship pedigree. He's a specialist at getting teams to be competitive. And it won't happen this season. And it won't even happen next season. But we'll be up there and thereabouts for promotion. And Married on the Midlands, it never really took off, did it? No. Um, after a steady season last season, he's, he looks like he's made a right pig's ear of it this year. Um, and the last couple of performances have been absolutely dreadful. Okay, <laughs> that's that's all we need to say, I suppose. Um, but Baz, as you and I were discussing at the weekend, one of the things that I felt was particularly worth noting is that he got Forrest playing to a level where they could avoid relegation. And it doesn't matter which personnel were involved. He brought in two or three of his own players, which helped to steady things, but they didn't do anything more than that. And then this season, there's a different transfer approach. Um, younger profile of the squad he didn't really get a chance to play around too much with that because the bottom line was the performances never improved enough and the results certainly didn't 
Um, yeah, and so I can remember I did a match report for the Blackburn game, and I said there was a particular point in that game where he lost the fans, and I was reading one of the post-mortem articles on Chris Hewton's, um on Chris Hutton's tenure, and I can't remember where it was, and they said it was the Blackburn game when the club then started exploring who to replace him with. And I think it was quite obvious that there was a point. He never really got the chance to play in front of us, which is unfortunate, but he never really got the chance to take his chance either, um, unfortunately. And that's just kind of, it, it's, it's unfortunate. I think we've hinted at it before. He was just, a little, it, it was the wrong wrong time for him. Mm, wrong place, wrong time. And And Stephen, one of the things that, has been levelled at many a manager, not just at Forest, is this idea about not having a plan B. And, and 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 crucially, the other thing that we discovered in the last few days was also that Hewton wasn't necessarily on board with the transfers and that the leaked WhatsApp messages from an unnamed player, I think we can all have a good guess at who it is, but we're not going to go down that route, but the leaked WhatsApp messages turned out to have not just been made up by a 15 year old in their bedroom, but seemed to have an element of truth about them. So a lot of discontent for quite a long time. There was, and, and I can understand it because particularly the back end of Houston's tenure, it, it was a difficult watch. The games were, from Forrest's point of view, there wasn't much quality on show bar a fleeting move or the occasional goal, think of Coventry or the, the opening goal against Cardiff. But yes, you could, I could understand why there might be some frustration with the players, perhaps the formation, the tactics, it was too rigid for them, this 4-2-3-1. Um, I think, I think Hewton was trying the things that had worked for him in previous jobs. So Newcastle, Brighton, Birmingham, etc., where he'd had success in the championship. And Perhaps the game has moved on in the in the seventeen months that he was out of work before he came to Forest, and and the, the tactics of the formation, how he wanted the team to play, just was never going to work. And it, it got to a point around the Blackburn game actually, where you were struggling to find reasons to to stick with the manager. It was getting to a point where something had to change, and. As much as I wanted Houston to be a success and when he came in, I thought that it would be a really solid appointment. It simply wasn't working and in the end, something had to give. Hmm. Married on the Midlands, this time last year-ish, when Sabri went, of course the results were terrible and, and, and this was followed on by after, this, sorry, this followed the period in which we capitulated going into the playoffs. But it didn't feel as bad as it did under Hewton, did it? And, and, and certainly when Karanka went, that was down to probably a falling out with the board. And, and although there were bad periods under Karanka, there were not great results under Warburton. But this is, we were comparing how bad this felt to how bad it felt under Megson, whereby the only thing that could happen to lift the club would be the manager leaving. Yeah, I mean, the, the performance against Middlesbrough was as bad as I can ever remember. Um, and the team after that game, just looked like they were never going to score again, never going to win again. The players were just couldn't do the basics. It was always looking, looking at them taking throw-ins, and it was it was like school children. They were just giving it away each time. They didn't seem to know what to do with that. Just 
just he's just awful. It is really, really deep. The goalkeeper looked shoddy. Um, just couldn't pass it sort of ten yards to another player, and it just it just reeked of a team that the confidence had all completely gone out of them. Uh, they'd lost confidence in the manager. He seemed unable to do anything with his substitutes, and and um, it just it just looked a completely hopeless situation. I was pretty much um, convinced we were we were down at that point. So I just I just couldn't see anything there. It was just a, a lifeless club. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really gone wrong, really badly and really quickly. I don't, I don't know what's gone on there. Whether the players just didn't didn't agree with his, his tactics. His, his maybe his person is a softly spoken man. Maybe he just couldn't command the tre- dressing room um, and and bring the players over to his way of thinking. But it's just it was just dreadful. Really, really bad. On that topic, Baz, and again, we touched upon this ever so slightly in our weekend match report um, from the Huddersfield match. It never quite felt like he'd lost the dress. That's that old cliche, isn't it? He'd lost the dressing. Mm. Never quite felt that in the same way as it did under Megson, where it's very clear that the players had had enough. But on the other hand, this message, that the leaked WhatsApp message, um, the defenders in the midfield bypass everyone, just boot the ball back to the keeper or to their six foot six inch centre half. I lost it. I sat there and I hammered Yatesy. Never passed the ball forward. All the coaches are sat there and I just lost my rag. And this is important because Hewton did say, didn't he, in some of his post match interviews, well, I'm putting the attacking players on, but mm. the tactics weren't attacking, were they? No, and this is the thing is, it's like, um, I think. It was the, the report that Stephen and I did um, the other day as well, um, where it doesn't matter how many attacking players are on. If you can't get the ball to them, then it doesn't really matter what they're doing and where they are on the pitch. And it's ultimately, we were conceding the midfield. We, we didn't have the midfield in there, um, whether that's because we didn't have the numbers or we were playing the wrong way or they were being asked to do the wrong thing. Whatever it was, we, we just lost control of the centre of the park and it happened again and again and again. And that's why we couldn't. So in the um, last season, that was why we weren't creating chances enough. And then this season, that also resulted in why we weren't defending enough because you can't defend just with your back four or your, your, your centre halves. You need to have defenders further forwards. Yeah, and, and Stephen, the the net result of that was that we were shot shy and we never really looked like scoring enough goals. But the other thing that was noticeable is that Forrest had no resilience. If we conceded a goal, you just think straight away, well, that's it, we've lost it now. Um, the, the derby match was a stay of execution and it was noticeable for two reasons. One, because the, t- the players came back into it after half time and if what Joe Worrell said in his post-match interview is to, is to be believed, it's probably that he had a go at the players. Um, but also is the pretty much the only occasion I can think of where Hewton made substitutions that actually affected the attacking shape of the team in a positive way. So you add that kind of substitution plus the will of the players to get back into it because it's a big match. But that's the exception that proves the rule, wasn't it? It was, and it was something that we didn't see often enough from Hewton, the ability to change a game. And if Forrest found themselves behind or if Forrest needed to bring on more attacking quality or find a way to turn the screw on teams, they just weren't capable of doing it. And 
Hewton, one of the big criticisms of him was his use of substitutions. On the day at Derby, I think he got it right with the likes of Mighton coming off the bench and proving to be a real handful. But we didn't see that often enough from him, that willingness to throw on more attacking players, but also getting the link up right from the midfield to get the ball to them, get the team higher up the pitch where they were putting pressure on the opposition. It didn't happen often enough under Hewton. And ultimately, that was one of his downfalls. And one of his criticisms was an overly cautious approach. And I think that is another example of it there, that that, that lack of almost a killer instinct in making game-changing substitutions when we needed them. And Marjan, the Midlands, you said in our pre-match preview, uh, pre-season preview, rather, that uh, we're talking about Dane Murphy being in as a CEO. And you said, uh, I don't think Hewton's going to be the manager this time next year. And in reality, we all thought that, well, this time next year, that's, that's stretching it a bit. Um, do you think that there are signs that Forrest are trying to implement a strategy here? Yeah, I think there definitely are signs. Um, they keep on emphasising the fact that they've uh, brought down the age of the squad and uh, reduced the wage bill. And the introduction of Steve Hooper now um, seems to support the um, promotion of youth. Um, he's, he's the vast majority of his career has been uh, coaching youth players uh, at Liverpool and England. So, yeah, that's, there's a definite strategy there. Um, they, the, basically, I think, as, as much as they might deny it, I don't think they can afford to keep on pumping 40 million quid into the club every year uh, to keep us going and, and trying to buy these um, buy bigger name players and high salaries. Maranak is as wealthy as he is. I don't. He's not an oligarch. He's he's not a sheikh, um, and the it's just circumstances dictate that this is the way they're going to have to do it now. I'm that's what that's what I surmise from what's happening, um, as well as the FFP regulations. Um, so I think needs must, and they're having to promote youth and go this direction. And and the appointment of Cooper is a, a clear sign of that. I think. And just before I leave you, Maradon, the Midlands, uh, one thing that maybe let's let's play devil's advocate here. Apparently, Chris Hewton had said that he felt it was unfortunate that fans weren't around in that little stretch in the middle of last season where they, I think they they had a run of fifteen games and only lost two of them. So they actually, this is the nearest thing they did to put in together a run. Do you think that things might have been different if? there'd been fans there to celebrate uh, a just the nearest thing to a positive run of results that we had in the last year? I don't think so, because it's, it's deteriorated so much from, from last season to this season. It's um, And even even some of the, the teams we, we beat on our good runs, that they were normally the teams lower down the division, Wickham and, and Coventry. Those are the only teams I can remember beating last season. Um, so, <laughs> and then... It's just it, even the the fans would have got on his back earlier. I think Joe. There's other times and it was pretty poor last season. But because there weren't any fans, we we, we gave them the excuse that there's no fans there. So that Forest are missing the crowd. We're a big club with a big crowd, and so that's why we're suffering. We're not playing so well. So now we've got the crowd in, and they've still been playing pretty terribly. Um, I, I just I just think it's it's deteriorated so quickly and so badly from last season I don't think anything would have saved him it was it was just just the basics so they just weren't there anymore they just they just that was just nothing there 
Um, any, no, no manager could survive um, a run of one, one draw at the first seven matches of a season. And the lack of, not just the lack of goals, the lack of shots, the lack of any sort of attacking intent, playing virtually on our own 18-yard box when we're losing at home. It's, it's, it's just, there's no way to survive that. Mm. Stephen, we, we mentioned the word strategy a little while ago. Dane Murphy is basically, you know, it's his neck on the line with this one. He's the one who's come out and praised Cooper effusively, saying that we've brought down the age profile of the squad, we've brought down the wage bill, we want to go for a slightly different approach, and, and, and Steve is the man who, who fits that bill. I, I was um, asked by Gem106 to contribute a few words um, to on the Cooper appointment. And I did make the point that every football club, not just Nottingham Forest, uh, their strategies are only good until they start losing three games in a row, at which point all football clubs tend to throw strategies out the window. But I also made the point that Forest haven't had any strategic approach for at least 10 years now. So is there a glimmer of hope there? There is. Having that link with Murphy and Cooper together and and Murphy making it clear that Cooper is his appointment and he is his man that he wants to lead the team forward. Uh, that does give, it gives me hope that there will be more stability when it comes to who the manager is, or in this case, the head coach, because obviously we we need that stability. The I, think I heard earlier today, some like 13 managers in 10 years. And then we had a, a merry-go-round for the 10 years before that as well. So, yeah, we're crying out for that, that stability. And hopefully Murphy will prevent any interference that we've heard reported from the owners and, and some of their people who, who have run the club previously. And I hope that the two of them, because this is Dave Murphy's appointment, they build a solid working relationship that allows Cooper to do the job and gives him the time to do the job as well. Mm. And just uh, just quickly as well, Stephen, uh, it was initially reported that Swansea's compensation demands were one and a half million pounds, and reportedly Forrester paid half a million pounds. So maybe there is some merit to Yanis Rensos still being a, a director after all. <laughs> and to be fair, if, if if Cooper keeps us up and then gets us on the on the right path, then that'll be one of the best half a million pounds the club's ever spent. Baz, just I want to talk to you very briefly about Dave Murphy. Um, his last managerial appointment before he came to Forest was Valerian Ishmael. And uh, would you rather have Ishmael in charge or Steve Cooper? It's I would say Steve Cooper, but only because of the the youth thing. But actually, actually, a quick point about strategy. So you say strategy goes out the window when you've had three defeats. I would point to Barnsley and their owners, whatever their, their owners are called, I can't even remember. And um, actually Swansea, not maybe at the moment, but over the past 10 years, as two clubs who've got a strategy that's set at a higher level than the manager. So Swansea used to have a style of play and then they would choose managers that would fit that style of play. They have to sack managers when they go on a bad run, but then they would replace like for like to keep that same con- continuity going. Whereas every time we've sacked a manager, we've gone for a manager who's almost in some ways the opposite. 
Um, so there's there's no continuity, and that means you have to replace the entire squad because that manager's got a different way of doing things. Whereas, and, and Barnsley is a, a very good example. They set up this particular style of play, very high press, three up front, and then they chose players to fit with that, and they chose managers who maybe were on loan, like Ishmael, but were able to play, to get the team playing in that style. So even if the manager gets sacked, they can find someone else who fits that same profile. And that's a strategy in itself, and that looks like what Dane Murphy's trying to implement for us. The only reason I mentioned Ishmael is because it looks as though West Brom's main tactic of scoring goals now is to hurl a 50-yard throw-in in, into the box. And um, apparently there are some grumbles because West Brom, after a blistering start to the season, have slowed down. So uh, Ishmael apparently has no plan B. Where have we heard that before? Um, <laughs> well, again, and, and to add to that is, yeah, how much of Barnsley's success was down to Ishmael and how much of it was down to the plan that was laid out for him by the, the higher-ups? There's your question. Yeah, and of course, actually, on that same topic as well, you could look at the Barnsley transfers. So someone like Daryl DK, that uh, from the outside looking in, that has American CEO written all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Steve Cooper. And before we start talking about it, I took the I took a few minutes to ask uh, uh, a Swansea fan what they thought, and let's hear what he's got to say. Hello guys, Tom Morgan here from Total Swans TV on YouTube and all social media. Um, thanks for uh, asking me to provide some information about the appointment of Steve Cooper to Nottingham Forest. Uh, first of all, congratulations. I think you've got a fantastic, exciting manager uh, at the helm now. Um, good things about Steve Cooper is he's still a good, young, exciting, um, thriving manager looking to succeed in the game. Um, he still has some very good links uh, to you know Premier League teams as far as his youth setup with England. Um, although a few of those players now have had successful loan spells and have probably moved on to bigger and better things, um, you may be able to bring in some positive signings in the in the January window through his contacts. So, um, as I say, his contacts are still there. He does have good links with Premier League clubs. Um, tactically he's probably not the best sort of manager you probably won't enjoy the most exciting uh, playing football on the pitch but with the Swans two seasons in charge two playoffs back to back one semi-final and one final unfortunately both losses of course to uh, Brentford on both occasions Um, but yeah he succeeded with Swansea as far as I'm concerned last season our expected uh, finish in the league was 11th and we finished uh, in third or fourth, sorry. So, yeah, very, very exciting. Um, he's going to be a very good appointment, I think. It'll be a breath of fresh air compared to what you've recently had uh, with Hewton in charge. And um, as far as do I think Steve Cooper um, can turn Forrest into a promotion-chasing team this year or next year, um, you just got to give the guy time, really. just got to give him time. I mean, both seasons after you know Graham Potter left us for Brighton, Steve Cooper came in. Um, I don't think there was many Swansea City fans who were too familiar with who he was, um, You know, especially coming from the uh, the English youth setup. So I don't think we were too familiar of the guy. I uh, wasn't sure exactly what to expect. So there was no high expectations uh, from us. But as I say, with back-to-back playoff uh, finishes... 
he succeeded uh, at Swansea City, and um, from from a personal perspective, very disappointed that we you know sort of let him go. A misunderstanding between him and, and the board. Apparently, he wanted to move on to the Premier League. Uh, Fulham was one of the uh, teams who were looking at him uh, and looking at him this season as well. So it is. It's disappointing that he did move on. Um, you know, fortunately now we've got you know a good manager in Russell Martin, so hopefully he can he can carry on carry us on, and uh, continue sort of what Cooper installed in the team. But yeah, I think let's say you've got a really good, exciting manager on your hands, and I think um, I think over the next sort of season or two, probably not this season given the start that you've had, though you're not too far behind the the, the, the pack. Um, I think this season might be a, a stretch too far, but. You know, allow him to bring in some players in January, see what he can do over the summer, and uh, who knows what can happen for you guys next season. You're a big club. Um, some would say you deserve to be back in the Premier League, um, and you could say you've got a good manager who is hungry to get to the top flight. So it could be a match made in heaven for you guys. Um, and you know, I wish you guys all the very best for this year and next. Okay, Maradon the Midlands. Tom sounds very, very effusive uh, <laughs> about Steve Cooper. That doesn't he sound like? Uh that Cooper can bring something to Forest that they haven't had for some time. Yeah, I mean, the, the word I kept getting from him was exciting, an exciting appointment. Um, and to be honest, when I first heard that he was linked with Forest, I, I was also quite excited. I, I uh, felt a flutter of, flutter of excitement in my tummy. Um, for, for looking from afar, not, not paying the greatest attention to Swansea, but looking from afar, they... They seem to be uh, a really good team the last couple of years. And um, when they were thrashing us 5-0 or whatever it was, or 5-1 in the FA Cup, um, I was sitting there thinking, God, it would be great to have a manager like Steve Cooper, uh, somebody who can, <laughs> who can produce some attacking football like that and bring on some unknown players and suddenly make them into a good championship team. Um so I was I was initially very excited. Now that's been tempered slightly because I made the mistake of uh, following one of your Twitter links that you put on our WhatsApp chat um, to John Percy, and then all the negative comments underneath that that made me start doubting my own my own sanity for a short while and my own my own judgment as oh they're not very attacking or they don't score many goals. But um, now that he's here, I'm I'm, I'm feeling positive again. Okay, the the main takeaway from that is going on Twitter is is a bad idea generally if you want to get reasoned opinions. As as Nick Miller of this parish has said on more than one occasion, Twitter is where nuance goes to die. And that's one of the reasons why we were so keen to get Nick as part of our crew. Um Stephen, we talked about that well, Maradon the Midlands just mentioned that rather embarrassing FA Cup match last season. But what was Perhaps more interesting in many ways was the fact that in both league matches, Forrest outplayed Swansea for much of the match, but Swansea managed to pull something out of the bag to get a result. So in uh, the home match, what they did is they, they nicked a goal and then managed to keep Forrest at bay for the rest of the game. And in the away match, Forrest outplayed them, probably their best performance under Houston. And yet... Cooper changed the formation, he changed the tactics, and once again, as in the home match, somehow Connor Roberts scored a header um, to, to, to take the results away from the Reds. Now, to me, that's a lot more interesting than, uh, than being able to steamroll a team. What do you think? I think it shows one aspect of Cooper's management, which is 
playing quite disciplined and organised football. So there won't always be those times where you're able to, like you say, steamroller the opposition. You've got to find different ways of winning. And if you are wanting to be a top six team in the championship, sometimes you are going to have to find different ways to win games because you're not just going to be able to roll over teams your way in every game of the season. It just doesn't work like that. So I think what it shows with, with Swansea and what Cooper did with them was, yes, they could play football, but they also had that doggedness about them to stay in games and then get over the line when they needed to, when perhaps they weren't always the better team. And just on talking about previous games against Forest, obviously I've seen quite a few negative remarks from Swansea fans. There were a few who popped up on the Forest official announcement today saying that worst football we've ever seen at Swansea, Cooper Ball, it's too negative, you guys are going to be bored stiff, all this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, the 5-1 Cup game was an example where actually Swansea were, as much as we didn't enjoy watching it, were quite entertaining and pretty good on the day. But the games in the season before, the season when they just picked us to a playoff place, perhaps when they shouldn't have done with the way that Forrest collapsed. But on that final day, as Forrest were capitulating at home to Stoke, Swansea went to Reading and scored four, won the game 4-1 and got themselves into the playoffs. And there was the game at the city ground towards the back end of that season where Cooper played a 3-4-1-2 with Conor Gallagher playing just behind Rian Brewster and Andre Ayew. And both Ayew and Brewster were on the score sheet that day. So I think that shows an attacking intent from Swansea. And for me, that, that showed as well that Cooper is prepared to, to play that more attacking style when it's required. Mm. Uh, Baz, on that sort of similar topic, I guess, we received a graphic from uh, the Twitter feed, The Near Post, and in that, it was a stark contrast between a very poor Forest side last season and, and Cooper's Swansea in terms of goals scored uh, per match. The amount, of, uh, uh, the amount of goals conceded as well was much better. Possession stats were more or less the same, but they kept a lot more clean sheets. And, and the other one that was, was an interesting stat was, was PPDA. And uh, you had to explain what that means to the rest of us in the group, didn't you? So it's one of this new generation of data um, stats. And I've got a bit more to say about analysis, actually. But PPDA is passes per defensive action, which basically means how long do you allow your opposition to have the ball before you try and get the ball back off them? So if you play a very, very high press and very, very energetic style of football, such as Barnsley did last season, then your PPDA will be very, very low because you don't let them have any time on the ball. Whereas if you sit back and relax and let them come into your own half, then the PPDA will be very high. Now, what was interesting with that is um, Swansea's and ours were almost identical. So uh, maybe we're not going to see a a massive change in, in playing style. Okay, so on that topic there, Baz, uh, one of the comparisons that we were talking about before we started recording is, is there any comparison, I wonder, between Cooper's Swansea and Lamouche's Forest? Because one of the things that we, a criticism we levelled at Sabri was that when we weren't in possession, we were sitting off too much and, and letting the opposition have the ball too much. But of course, we had those blistering counter-attacks notably with Lolly and Cash down the right wing. So do you see any comparison between Lamushi's Forest and Cooper's Swansea? 
It's possible. And the, the, the interesting thing, so I was saying that before about how Hewton didn't really know how to deal with the press. If your opposition is pressing you right up high up the pitch, then one of the best things you can do is sit deep and then catch them on the counter-attack. So maybe it is that, that that's going to be the, the way we play. Um, sit deep and then hit on the break and obviously that is quite a forest tradition in of itself so that's not too that's not too bad in its um, in what we can say I did see that Cooper today I I only skimmed it because um, I only just noticed it he's released an open letter to the fans and he said he wants to play exciting attacking football so so maybe what he did at Swansea was a needs must situation Uh, on the Midlands he would say that though wouldn't he yeah, I'm not sure if he would. Um, it, it it leaves you, you open to criticism if you if you're not going to do that. I, I can't imagine Chris Hughton ever saying that. Um, it's just, but I mean, I, I'm I'm encouraged by that. It it seems a, a good place to start off from. Um, it has been dire for the past year, and then and we've not. I mean, even in the Sabri, it was it was pretty pretty dull at the time. So. I think Forest as a, as a support base, fan base need some sort of hope that it is going to get better because that the is in the in the past couple of years it's, it's been really really poor to watch at times and and not not a great deal to get excited about. Um, so I'm I'm for one glad that he has said that and I, I do hope he he can do that. But again, it depends on on if we've got the players to do it. I mean, I hope it's a, a new dawn for Forest and the and the win against Huddersfield starts something fresh for us, but we were so bad in the weeks leading up to that. I, I fear that it might just be a new manager bounce against Huddersfield. Um, um, but I hope, I hope it's not. I hope the shackles have been unleashed and the players can be reborn and he has the players there to play an attacking brand of football. And as our social media correspondent, I don't know what you, if you saw the uh, the Joe Lolly Instagram post where he was talking about it was great to be able to play with freedom or words to that effect. So uh, it suggests that there may not have been a mutiny from the players, but those WhatsApp messages and that Instagram post suggest that, you know what, if you're, if you're a professional footballer, you want to be able to go out and do what you're best at. Yeah, I saw that, and uh, yeah, it, it did seem telling. Um, I'm not sure how how Chris Hutton would have shackled Lolly. Also, I mean, he probably well, he didn't play him very much, I suppose. But that was the best way of shackling him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I hope. So. I mean, just just I hope they just. I've been so frustrated watching them play so so deep, sort of on the edge of our own area for most of the game. Just just push them twenty feet further up the pitch would be a, a good start for me. Just uh, it makes it such a difficult job scoring a goal when you're having to travel sort of that whole length of the pitch to um, get to the opposition goal. If if we're near the halfway line, it gives us half a chance at least. Pass. Um, it, it wasn't just Joe Lolly that used the word freedom. There was an interview on the NFFC YouTube channel where um, Lewis Graben used the words freedom and expressiveness um, after the after the Huddersfield game. So I think it, it's something that did run a bit deeper than than just um, a couple of the players. Would this be a good time? I know we mentioned it the other day, but a good time to mention the Grant Holt interview from when he was at Norwich, where he said. I liked I liked Chris Hewton as a man, but I was a centre forward and I never got the ball. And I went to Hewton and I said, 
I don't like the way we're playing. The ball never comes to us. And Hewton, as the manager said, if you don't like the way we play, you're not going to play. So this is not a new thing with Hewton, is it? No. And I think that's, yeah, all these little bits sort of, yeah, sort of add up to this is why we've been terrible this season. Okay. Now, Stephen, I'm just going to come to you. Uh, Two things. Firstly, on the topic of, of style of play, one of the things that I did say to second tier podcast at the weekend is that I've been trying contact lenses for the first time in my life in the last week. And that's not been as painful on my eyes as it has been watching Forrest under Hewton for the last, well, six months since we last got a win. It's been, it's been pretty dire. So it's pretty encouraging to hear Tom saying that he thinks that Steve Cooper's football will be a breath of fresh air after Chris Hewton. So what are your expectations? I'm hoping that we see a Forest team that plays higher up the pitch, that's prepared to press the opposition a bit higher to win the ball back and and play in a more cohesive manner. I think we saw signs of it on Saturday at Huddersfield with Lowe and Spence playing higher up. It meant that Lolly and Johnson in those slightly inverted winger positions were receiving the ball higher up the pitch and there, there was support and the players were developing better relationships. So I hope to see that under Cooper. I hope that we take care of the ball better. I think that's something that he values. It might not be completely gung-ho attacking football all the time, but Cooper is somebody who likes his teams to control the ball, take care of it, use it wisely. And I'm also hoping that we tighten up at the back, which is something actually that his Swansea teams were were pretty good at. They, over his two seasons in charge, kept a championship best of 35 clean sheets. So he clearly values good control of games and keeping out the opposition whilst also still having that attacking threat. It sounds like from what what we can see at, at Swansea that he's got a good balance of both. So I'm hoping to see, um, I'm hoping to see a more cohesive Forest team and one of the comments that, that I've made recently was we don't have terrible players, but they've been playing terribly. So I guess the hope is that Cooper, as a coach, can work with them to do that. And, and that leads me neatly onto the next point I was going to make. And Stephen, I'll come to you first and I'll go around everyone. But a year ago, we were saying, well, it's probably a good thing that Chris hewton has been appointed as the manager and not just as the head coach. And now we're thinking, OK, Steve Cooper's been appointed as a head coach. So firstly, is that a good thing? And secondly, uh, whatever you think about that, is that a result of the Dane Murphy influence? I think it's a good thing because it's a modern approach. There's so many clubs now that are going down the head coach model and making it work. And it's, it seems to be the way now to, to take a club forward. Uh, and for us, Forrest, to, to move ourselves into the 21st century in a lot of ways. I think it's something we've been behind the curve on for a little while now. And, and it's good to see that we're, we're adopting that modern approach. I think it is a good thing, particularly with Dane Murphy in charge as CEO. Now it allows the likes of Murphy, Chris Brass and Gary Brazil to take care of recruitment and, and finding players and, working on the negotiations and and sort of getting those players into the club. And then they can be handed over to Steve Cooper to, to mold and coach them into a, hopefully a successful winning team, which I think allows Cooper to 
focus on what he's best at and what he's good at, which is not only putting together a good team, but also developing youngsters. And hopefully we start to see these, these forest youngsters that are already in the first team kicking on. And hopefully we see more come through the academy and, and make their way into the first team. Maradon the Midlands, uh, Sabri was the head coach, Martin O'Neill, Aita Karanka, they were head coaches. So is what Stephen just said with, you know, the, the, the Gary Brazil position, Chris Brass, um, what's his name, Sirianos, um, and of course headed up by Dane Murphy. Is that what will hopefully make the difference in terms of Cooper's success as a head coach? I hope so. Um, probably won't, but <laughs> I hope so. Um, I, don't, I don't think it matters too much whether you call him the manager or the head coach. Although Hewton was brought in as a manager, I think I don't see that any of the signings this summer were, were his. Um, he'd pretty much been, you could say, downgraded to a coach anyway. Um, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, you don't know. I mean, the, the history tells us that it's, it's probably not going to work out with Steve Cooper and we're going to be in exactly the same position next year. But I, I hope it all works out very well and uh, and uh, they find some brilliant new players and we're, we're on, a, on, a, on a upward trajectory. And, and Baz, just to, uh, to, to round this off then, uh, you know, some, the Married on the Midlands has, has used the word hope quite a lot. So where does the hope come from? Because every new appointment is a great appointment until they're not. Well, this I think the, the, the coach-manager distinction, what I hope for that is when we, when we had Sabri or when we had Aitor Karanka or Mark Warburton as head coach, I didn't get the feeling that there was a strategy behind it. It was just done that way because that's the way football clubs are structured nowadays. Whereas today, and maybe we're completely wrong and Dane Murphy's making this all up as he goes along, but today it feels like the boardroom has a strategy. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. So if Steve Cooper does get the sack, it will be a coach who implements that same strategy. So there's some continuity in how things are going, which you don't get with a manager. When a manager goes, because the idea is the manager has been running much more stuff than just looking after what the players are going to do on the pitch. So therefore, once they go, there's, there's less continuity. So that's the idea. I think the club fails to implement it previously and the signs are that they, they are hoping to implement it properly this time round. Okie doke. Well, time will tell. Uh, Cooper's first match in charge is on Saturday at home to Millwall. So he's got a home match to start with. No pressure, lads. And uh, we'll see what happens in terms of tactics, in terms of personnel. And of course, he's got to work with what he's got in the meantime, because he's he's got a squad that he's inherited and he can't do anything about it for a while now. Um, we want to say thank you to Stephen and to the Married on the Midlands and to Baz for joining us this evening. And of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back very soon with the match report after the Millwall game. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.